It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios, welcome Sandy, thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in DC is Fox News contributor, Sandy Rios. And you still like me or you you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You're all right. (laughs) I'm a musician, I can't help it. Uh, Longtime Fox News contributor, Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. Good morning, Sandy Rios with you this morning. Uh, Sans our clips. We had some technical problems at the top of the show, so we're kind of scrambling. So you'll just have to have me tell you the stories this morning until we get things uh, sorted out. I have been telling you day after day about the attacks and the assaults on Clarence Thomas, Justice Clarence Thomas and his wife Jenny, and it just continues. It's just amazing. The left is just getting like rabid. You can almost see the saliva. <laughs> Reminds me when I was uh, debating... Uh, 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 on CNN one time, and James Carville was just, uh, he actually just lost it with me because I said something that offended him so deeply. And he stood up and just started screaming and cursing on national live television, the worst kind, like GD. Yeah, so, but I noticed as he was screaming at me that he was like little bubbles of, <laughs> of he was actually foaming at the mouth. He was foaming. And I basically said to him, James, you're dripping you're drooling. And then he really lost it. And um, that's uh, that was really a, quite a moment. I think Rush Limbaugh the next day uh, you know, talked all about it and called me the CWA babe. And when I got back to my office, my staff had get, done a Barbie doll with a, <laughs> with a crown, <laughs> with a, uh, uh, s- uh, that sash that goes sideways with CWA babe on it. It was really funny. And so anyway, but the point is that they were salivating then, foaming at the mouth then, and they are foaming at the mouth now, at the thought of getting Justice Thomas off the bench. And I think, from my perspective, the two reasons that they are feeling so pressed to do this is that there is um, continual proof that there was fraudulence in the 2020 election. There's a story out of North Carolina this morning. Um, actually, I don't think it have near near me. I'd have to look for it. But a Christian uh, J. Christian Adams, who's my good friend, who often hosts for me, just discovered that there are all kinds of dead people, thousands and thousands, on the North Carolina voter rolls. Uh, people that somehow got there, also that live in other states, that the voter rolls are completely illeg- well, substantially illegitimate in North Carolina, urging people to uh, clean that up in North Carolina. And yesterday, Arizona passed a law with the help of our good friend out there, uh, Jake Hoffman. He is a new congressional rep. He's been our guest several times. Um, And he managed to get a bill through, and uh, Governor Ducey signed it yesterday to make sure that no one but but citizens vote in Arizona, no non-citizen voting. So I think uh, the, I read a stat that 51% of American voters believe there was fraud in the 2020 election. And that's, that includes a ton of Democrats, a, con, a ton of people unaffiliated, 51% of voters. I think it's 37% of Democrats believe that. And so um, somehow in spite of uh, outlets like, of course, all the major news media sources, but even conservative sources, even people on Capitol Hill, even Republican leadership uh, who, you know, want to quash the big lie 
uh, Amer- the American people are somehow getting the memo uh, that there was problem, there were problems. So some of those cases are going to bubble up, I think, into the Supreme Court, and that's why I think that's one of the reasons I think that their intent intent on getting Justice Thomas off the abortion issue is coming up. Roe versus Wade. That's another bonus for them. Why they're salivating just the thought of getting this uh, the icky black uh, staunch conservative who will not budge off the bench, and that's what they're trying to do, or at least to recuse himself at the very least. And so the, the, the attacks continue. And the other thing is, of course, the J6 situation, the January 6th, the whole uh, operation apparatus of using what happened on January 6th, which was a rally that President Trump had prior to the electoral votes being considered in the Congress. There was nothing wrong with that. There was nothing wrong with thousands and thousands of people going to Washington because they thought there was voter fraud. And they wanted to support their president, and they wanted to make sure that their Congress did the right thing when they convened. That's why they went. And those uh, challenges are going to be bubbling up, too. It's all kind of connected together. And uh, they're desperate to get Clarence Thomas off the bench. And so um, I thought it was interesting yesterday. I'll play this first. Uh, Yesterday, you'll never hear—you don't hear me do this very often, but I really have to give him kudos— and that is that uh, the minority leader, uh, uh, sorry, I'm trying to find this piece of paper, Mitch McConnell, there it is. Uh, Mitch McConnell made a statement on the floor yesterday, and basically he started out by giving some history. He said, in 2019, Democratic senators tried to openly bully the Supreme Court into a certain outcome. They wrote a threatening amicus brief saying the court had better heal itself. The court had better, and that was a threat, heal itself. And then in 2020, and McConnell did not cite the name, but the name was Senator Schumer, a Democratic leader himself stood on the steps of the Supreme Court and threatened multiple sitting justices by name if they didn't reach the policy outcome that liberals wanted. And I'll never forget that. Gorsuch, I wish we could have pulled the clip this morning. Uh, This is uh, Senator Schumer. It was the first time we'd ever seen anything like that happen because Supreme Court justices are supposed to be independent and untouchable. We're certainly not supposed to know where they live. Uh, They don't get elected, and that's for a reason. There's a downside to that, but there's also an upside because they are not beholden uh, to donors, to people, a special interest group. They're supposed to be independent. And so with Schumer, the the, uh, legislative branch, uh, of the Congress standing on the steps and threatening by name members of the court, thats it, that was horrible. But, of course, you know, it wasn't horrible to the press, and so we never heard much about it. And then 2021, uh, Senator McConnell cites that President Biden assisted the le- delegitimizing campaign by constructing a pseudo-academic commission to ponder ideas like partisan court packing and unconstitutional term limits. And uh, what they're talking about, they want to. They, their idea of fixing this is to fill the court with leftists that will out, outnumber the Justice Clarence Thomases and the Gorsuches and the Sam Alitos. Those are the three that I mentioned in the camp of conservative. I don't think Amy Coney Barrett and Justice Kavanaugh really quite. I, they're, they dip their toe in the waters of conservatism occasionally, but more, more often they really side with the left. So um, I don't think they deserve that title right now. Okay, so on the on the Senate floor yesterday, uh, Senator McConnell went on to say uh, a few other significant things. Let's listen, clip seven. This okay. new inappropriate pressure campaign is just a continuation of this well-worn pattern. It has no basis in Justice Thomas' decades of impeccable service on the court. 
The justice and the entire court should feel free to completely ignore all this. Justice Clarence Thomas is a great American, an outstanding justice. He is faithful to the text of our laws and constitution. His writing is clear. His reasoning is rigorous and transparent. I have total confidence in Justice Thomas' impartiality in every aspect of the work of the court. Each of the nine justices should feel free to make every single judicial decision they make with total independence and complete freedom. What cases they hear, how they hear them, how they rule, whether and when they recuse themselves, and whether and when they retire, these are all judicial decisions. All nine justices deserve total independence as they approach every judicial decision they make. This clumsy bullying from the political branches is really beyond the pale. Justice Thomas is an exemplary jurist who has modeled fidelity to the rule of law for more than 30 years and counting. I hope none of these justices give any of the radical left's various pressure campaign a minute's thought. All right, I thought that was an important statement, and I'm grateful that he made that. Um, and so, uh, but that's not stopping the left, and how many people are going to hear Mitch McConnell's speech on the Senate floor? Uh, yeah, not many, but you heard it. And so, uh, with that, I, I'm guessing that many of you are sort of frustrated because I've talked about this so much recently, and you feel kind of helpless that, you know, what can you do? This is a Supreme Court justice and his wife, and you are in another state, in another world, you know, how can you possibly help? You don't like what's happening, but what can you do? And so there is something, uh, there is something that we've managed to put together. And it's, I talk to you frequently about Align Act, A-L-I-G-N-A-C-T. I told you that when you take action on that, at that site, those are their friends and your information is safe and they will do exactly what they say they're going to do. It's alignact.com. And uh, there is a new campaign on there. It's tell the New York Times to stop the shameful attack on the Thomases. Now, this uh, this will go to reporters at the New York Times and people in the editorial department, people in leadership. And as uh, we uh, understand, people that are in print, they love to throw stones, but they don't like to have stones thrown at them. And when their names are called out and when they hear a lot of bad stuff personally, they're kind of cowards. <laughs> So that works to our advantage. And so it's a line act. Uh, just go on a line act and it's tell the New York Times to stop the shameful attack on the Thomases. And if you do that, this is what you will be signing on to. The New York Times has unleashed a hate-filled attack on Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas and his wife Jenny in an attempt to marginalize the justice's leadership on the Supreme Court. The attack is textbook in its lies, distortions, omissions, and insinuations. They seek to undermine Justice Clarence and Jenny Thomas's work and to delegitimize the court and its decisions. Justice Clarence Thomas is the most consequential conservative jurist in America. His intellect and dedication to follow the Constitution rather than legislate for the bench sets a standard that every judge and aspiring judge should follow. Unfortunately, this scares the New York Times because Justice Thomas is black and apparently, in the narrow-minded view of the pallid lady, he cannot be a conservative. This is why the Times has launched an unprecedented campaign of lies against Justice Thomas' wife, Jenny, claiming her personal beliefs and dedicated public policy work in some way influenced Justice Thomas. 
The Times reports to celebrate strong women and working couples, but this attack betrays that what it and other leftist mouthpieces truly care about, above all else, is political ideology and power. The, just, the Thomases work in separate lanes, one legal, one political. They share a love of country, liberty, and justice. These basic realities are never questioned or scrutinized when it comes to influential couples of the left. It's a new feminist standard. If you are a strong, consequential conservative woman who doesn't agree with the times, stay home and bake cookies. They are trying to negate Jenny Thomas's lifetime of work for liberty. While the Times does not let the truth get in the way of their frightened narrative, they also reveal their own bias, that a brilliant jurist who rose to the bench from humble circumstances does not have the power and ability to make difficult decisions without being told what to do by his wife. It is insulting, it's sexist, and at its core, it's racist. If you agree the Times is wrong to be doing this, please take 60 seconds and click the Take Action button now. And um, so this is that's what it says, and that's what you'd be signing on. And that was written and endorsed by Ed Meese, former Attorney General Ed Meese, and Ken Blackwell, who's yes. So I um, so it so you go to a line act, and and you can find it. And I, I encourage you to do that. It is something you can do. Finally, I gave you something that you could actually do, and I hope that you will take action. You will. You always do. I know the last time we did this, uh, they, they the numbers just were amazing uh, when they reported back to me, and so. This is an important endeavor, and it's important that we come together to fight. You know, individually, sometimes our voice is not heard, but this is a place where you can come together and make your voices heard. Um, so in regard to the court, um, in a car, uh, regard to the latest nominee, Katanji Brown-Jackson, um, uh, Susan Collins yesterday said that she will support us. <laughs> uh, Katanji Brown-Jackson. Amazing. I, You know, do you think that Susan Collins, does she not... Is she not concerned about someone who's soft on child pornography, on observing, who sits and watches the most vile kind of pornography, and she continues to give them the lightest sentence and express her sympathy for the way they're stigmatized? Is Susan Collins all right with that? Is your senator all right with that? You know, I told you about that article that was written uh, in The Hill by a former FBI agent. We're going to put it on our Getter account again. And listen, you can use that. That would be a great thing to attach and send to your senator when you write them and say, don't you dare vote for Katanji Brown-Jackson, and this is the reason. Uh, so it's a, I, I just highly suggest that. And um, all right, there's a, lot to, there's a lot to talk about this morning. When we come back, we have a very special guest. Um, a congressman from Arizona with the Freedom Caucus, and he has a lot of things to tell us. So stay tuned. Sandy Rios in the morning, AFR Talk. The following are real life stories from Trinity Debt Management. My story begins with debt, a lot of debt. I used my credit cards as a source of income. It was not a good situation. I couldn't pay my bills. The interest on the cards was really high. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. I initially was scared to call and immediately I felt relieved. They contacted all of our creditors and they put us on a plan for success. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. I've been able to pay off close to $15,000. We're doing a lot better. Please pick up the phone and see how affordable and easy it is to pay off your debt. It's a godsend. We're debt-free for keeps. Call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. That's 1-800-788-1813. 
If you are 65 or older, you know this. It's really frustrating to deal with out-of-pocket medical expenses, watching your hard-earned dollars just flying out the window. Well, here's something that can really help, and it's worth taking a minute to look into. MediShare has a new option called MediShare 65+. Plus. MediShare is a community of Christians who share each other's healthcare bills, and it really is a community. People encourage and pray for each other. And MediShare 65 Plus is a low-cost option for those with Medicare Parts A and B that fills in the gaps where Medicare stops. You can lock in one low monthly price for up to 10 years. It's great for peace of mind. And you can use your Medicare-approved doctor and get prescription savings, dental and vision savings, very worth looking into, and it's so easy to find out why people rave about the customer service at MediShare. They're great to talk to on the phone. Here's the number. Call 833-45-BIBLE. That's 833-45-BIBLE. 833-45-BIBLE. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Stern. Stand by for news and commentary next. When deciding where to pursue your career goals, you want a university that you can trust that offers a world-class education with the values, knowledge, and skills you need to succeed. That place is Liberty University, and now is the perfect time to start. Liberty is celebrating 50 years of training champions for Christ, a mission that has not wavered since it opened in 1971. With more than 700 programs online and on campus, Liberty can help you turn your vision into a future you can be proud of. Learn more by texting STARNS to the number 49596. A big controversy in Jackson, Tennessee, Skyler Hogg, a sophomore in the local public school system. His dad works for the Sheriff's Department. The other day, Skyler showed up to school with a thin blue line flag. That flag was attached to a pole in his pickup truck. According to surveillance video, two female students were spotted in the parking lot, and they stole Skyler's flag, tossed it in a garbage dumpster. Later that night, the principal called Skyler's parents and asked him not to bring another flag on campus. Mr. and Mrs. Hogg informed the principal it was their son's right to fly that flag, so the next day, Skyler showed up with a brand new flag, and he was suspended. The irony is the girls who stole the flag were not punished, only Skyler. The school district says they respect diversity. Clearly, the Madison County School Board does not respect the police, nor do they respect the rule of law. I'm Todd Starnes. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. So where is it? The laptop. Sir, I'm not here to talk about the laptop. I'm here to talk about the FBI Cyber Program. You are the assistant director of FBI Cyber. I want to know where Hunter Biden's laptop is. Where is it? Sir, I don't know that answer. That is astonishing to me. Is, has, has FBI Cyber assessed whether or not Hunter Biden's laptop could be a point of vulnerability, allowing America's enemies to hurt our country. Sir, the FBI cyber program is based off of what's codified in Title 18, or, um, Title 18, Section 1030, a code which talks about computer intrusions, right, using nefarious intent. Network well, you've talked about passwords here. I mean, Hunter Biden's password on his laptop was Hunter 02. He drops it off at a repair store. I'm holding the receipt from Max Computer Repair, where in December 2019, they turned over this laptop to the FBI. And what now you're telling me right here is that as the assistant director of FBI Cyber, you don't know where this is after it was turned over to you three years ago. Yes, sir, that's an accurate statement. How are Americans supposed to trust that you can protect us from the next colonial pipeline if it seems that you can't locate a laptop that was given to you three years ago 
from the first family potentially creating vulnerabilities for our country. Sir, it's, it's not in the purview of my investigative responsibilities. But, but that is shocking that, that you wouldn't, as the assistant director of cyber, know whether or not there are international business deals, kickbacks, shakedowns that are on this laptop that would make the first family suspect to, to some sort of compromise. Mr. Assistant Director, have you assessed whether or not the first family is compromised as a result of the Hunter Biden laptop? Sir, as a representative of the FBI cyber program, it is not in the realm of my responsibilities to deal with the questions that you're asking. me. All right. Well, that was an exchange yesterday between Congressman Matt Gates and the Assistant Director of Cybersecurity for the FBI, Brian Vordren. A little concerning, I think. Um, could, of course, that interaction is, comes on along the heels of the FBI not cooperating with anything that the Congress is asking of them. And so this morning, Congressman Andy Biggs from Arizona, the former chairman of the Freedom Caucus, uh, they kind of take turns over there. He's serving his third term in the House of Representatives right now. He, uh, he Look, he's on everything good. And I, rather than just go through all of that, he's a hero to many of us, and you don't hear enough from him. So I've asked him to join us this morning. Congressman Biggs, thank you for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. Good to be with you. Now, um, I know I'm, I, I, we will talk about the Katanji Brown-Jackson because I know you want to talk about that, and I do too. Uh, but I want to talk about this because this happened just this week, and you were part of this. You actually you've sent several letters to the FBI, and I think the director refused to show up for this uh, hearing. Is that right? Yes, that's right. He uh, sent a subordinate in, and, uh, you know, we, we're asking for everything like uh, Rep. Gates I uh, was talking about everything from that that Biden laptop that we've been trying to get access to for, well, basically three years, um, to um, what are they doing now with their most recent uh, audit that shows that they've uh, been wrongfully targeting and violating their own rules and procedures. Forget the statutes and laws. They're violating their own rules and procedures, um, uh, uh, investigating uh, members of Congress or public officials or or religious institutions or or journalists. I mean, uh, it, it it's a weaponization of the FBI and other uh, federal police apparatus, and we need to get to the bottom of it. And they won't answer questions. You know, this is just on a string. Um, we have FBI Director Ray. You know. Um equivocating, refusing to answer time and time again early on. Now I guess he's refusing to even show up. And I, as I understand it, you guys had sent uh, letters to them, meaning the conservatives in Congress, led by you and Freedom Caucus, uh, ha- are seeking answers because the FBI audit found that there were 747 compliance errors in cases involving political groups and others in the Bureau's sensitive category over an 18-month span of Donald Trump's presidency. So their internal report found that, their audit. Now, I don't know if the FBI conducted that audit or if it was an independent agency. Maybe you know that. Um, But you just wanted to know what this was all about, because it's domestic political organizations, religious organizations, and key members, individuals, uh, political candidates. Uh, But they're refusing to talk about that. Is that right? Yeah, they they haven't answered those questions. And and so uh, it's it's right at 750. That was an internal audit. That is what their own internal auditor found. This is so you need the inspector general needs to get in there and expand that study. But beyond that, um, you, you know, at some point, 
uh, people say, why do we have these folks that are spying on Americans? So, so when we look back over that period of time, it is, it is political candidates. It is, it is elected officials. It is religious groups. It is journalists. And, and, and when I say they weaponized this, the, the, some of the errors that they found is dealing with uh, search warrants and uh, other procedural errors related to investigation authority. Now, what that means is, um, it, we, we're not sure what it means, but what we think that means is you might have some people that are fudging on the, on the affidavits to get the search warrants or going beyond the, the realm or the, the processes of the search warrants. What, 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 this is with their own procedures. But remember, we had the one uh, FBI agent who was charged uh, after the inspector uh, general looked into it because the, the, the guy was uh, basically uh, perjuring himself on, in order to get affidavits to spy on American citizens, in particular people who worked in the Trump administration and in the Trump campaign. So the, if, when, you, when you start seeing this, Sandy, it, it is the absolute craziest thing in the world. It's, it's evil, actually, to, to weaponize our own police apparatus to violate the law, violate our constitutional rights, which, which you and I believe are God-given rights, when they're supposed to protect those rights, they're abrogating those rights and and making American citizens targets. There's no question. There have been comparisons of the FBI, and I have to say, Congressman, my dad, my my dad, my my husband's a former FBI agent. This is um, so distressing to him because uh, there was a day when the FBI was the, probably the most respected entity, in, in uh, certainly in law enforcement. Uh, they were looked up to. It was a as a thing that young men wanted to be, and it's just uh, it's it's heart wrenching uh, to see what's happening now, where they yeah. have become actually an enemy of the people. I would say I would go far as to say that. Look, we look what they did to James O'Keefe. Look what they have done to the J six uh, people that went to protest or to just let their voices be heard on January six, who have been uh, you know had their homes raided, uh, even some that were not present in the Capitol. It's it's shocking uh, yeah. and it's distressing. You no, know, that's you're exactly right. I mean, they uh, we had, in fact, when when this started coming out, probably four years ago in Congress, I think many of us were like absolutely shocked. We said, "Well, this really can't." We hope this isn't the case. And but but the more you peeled back, the more you realized there's some real serious problems that are happening here. And and those problems basically get to the notion that that what we're talking about, which is. American citizens are being targeted for political purposes, and when you and when you weaponize for political purposes, uh, you're you're no better than uh, than basically a dictatorship. And in this case, it isn't. It, it, it's it is definitely political for political purposes, and that's what the inspector general, um, as he was looking through, that's what he found. And he's and he himself is not a he's not a Republican. Uh, the inspector general, but, but the, I mean, what he found was absolutely uh, egregious and over the edge. And, and that's, we got to be careful about that. And we have to, we have to clean that out. We have absolutely have to clean that out. You know, Congressman, I was in a briefing yesterday and uh, hearing people who are serving in Congress and staffers talk about the attitude of Congress toward January 6th and that even conservatives 
hold the people, even some conservatives, hold the people that went there in complete and total disdain and say things like, I hope they get what they deserve. Is that your observation? Yeah, so I I would say that we have a couple dozen, maybe three dozen people. Uh, no, I, I, that's probably unfair. I, I think we should probably say fifty or sixty of us that that really um, view what happened there as a riot. But we have some of our Republican colleagues say, no, no, that's an it's an insurrection. Which, by the way, that's, that they don't I don't think they understand what insurrection is. But anyway. It, it doesn't matter. These people are entitled to due process rights. And where they've been put in, we've got some people held in, in jail for 14 months who've never been convicted of anything. For 14 months without being convicted of anything, they're held in bad conditions. They're, they're being oppressed. They're not being allowed to see their attorneys. Uh, it, it's an outrage. And there's there's only probably you know that members of the Freedom Caucus would and maybe maybe half a dozen outside the Freedom Caucus that are that are working on trying to get these people so they can get their their uh, their due process rights. But there are members of my own conference, Republicans, who basically would or would be willing to burn them, you know, to just set them aside and and uh, have no interest whatsoever in their due process rights. That's, um, that is, I know that that's true, and I know that's why they've done nothing, because you guys are not in control, you 50 or 60, <clears throat> you're not in control. Uh, I know that's why they've done nothing, but it, it is really, it's just stomach-turning to me. Because I hear from these people, I, I, I was going to read on the air um, a recent correspondence from one of them, and I'll do that maybe next week. That's just heart-wrenching, heart-wrenching, what, what kinds mm-hmm. of things they're going through, and nobody's defending them, except with the exception of a handful of people, and so... Anyway, we we got to change that, and we've got to hold uh, members of Congress who don't care. Uh, the election's coming up, and we need to let them know that if they don't do something, uh, we will hold them accountable for that. Let's pivot, because I know that you, um, even though the Tanji Brown-Jackson hearing uh, took place in the Senate Judiciary Committee and now will be voted on by the Senate, uh, you guys, uh, you and a series of other members of Congress uh, really got involved and sent a letter to the Judiciary Committee Chairman, Senator, Senator Dick Durbin, about uh, her, her history on how she sentenced a child sex offenders and child pornography purviewers. Uh, are, you, are you happy with the way that hearing went in the, House, in the Senate Judiciary Committee? Um, not, not really. I, I, I was pleased with, with some of the Republicans in that, you know, uh, you know, Marsha Blackburn did a great job. I thought uh, getting to her inability to define woman. And I thought, I thought Ted Cruz and Mike Lee and, and, uh, and Holly and some of the others did a pretty good job getting at her uh, judicial temperament. And, and, you know, the, the reality is they were very deferential. I thought Lindsay was overly def- deferential. I mean, uh, but the reality is, uh, the, the you have a person who's sitting there, who is, in my opinion, uh, looking at her record and listening to her testimony, even who is probably the most radically left wing um, individual we've ever seen nominated for U.S. Supreme Court. So, uh, and I'm talking about that takes in Kagan and Sotomayor who believed that international law trumped the U.S. Constitution. So this individual, this individual believes that CRT 
uh, critical race theory, um, and social justice issues, which is another way of saying post-structuralist thought, is a way uh, that you analyze sentencing people uh, who've been convicted of criminal behavior. The, so, so, so if we were to, if I was going to break this down to talking points, I'd say she's dangerous to children. Her, her, her notion that if you were involved with um, a child pornography, you're not a pedophile. In spite of the fact that her own experts and her own and the sentencing commission said that they are pedophiles, uh, it, it, that makes her a danger. I mean, in some of the cases that she she re- reduced sentences for these people, there was actual child sexual torture going on here. For and we're not talking seventeen year olds; we're talking prepubescent, uh, very very young uh, children, and then. And so she's dangerous to children. She's dangerous to women. If you can't define women, you're a danger to women, to womanhood. And, and, and you're a danger to men, actually. You're just, a, you're dangerous because, um, uh, you, you're not going to understand that there is a biological distinction. This notion that she needs to be a biologist to be able to tell us what a man or woman is. First of all, that's inconsistent even with her crazy left wing, uh, thoughts. It was a deflection, but it shows that she, how radical she is. And and then when you get to the, the this idea of, of critical race theory, um, and her attempt to deny it, uh, I I find it it's going to be a very very dangerous person on that Supreme Court, and she'll be there for forty years. Yeah. She'll stay as we, long as she can possibly stay. Uh, we I to- total agreement, and I actually commend people. I've said this several times. There's a great article in the Hill by a former FBI agent, one of the good guys. The Supreme Court is about to get a justice who goes easy on sexual exploiters of children, and it goes into great detail, uh, Kevin Brock is his name, about what this child pornography thing is all about, because it's so much worse than people can imagine. And, uh, and so I appreciate yeah. you bringing this to their attention. Are you shocked? We hear the music. We only got 30 seconds. Are you shocked that Republicans and Democrats would even consider, knowing what they know now, supporting her? Not shocked that the Democrats would, and not shocked that Susan Collins would, but I hope that I hope that we can convince some Democrats to come back to reality. Yeah, I hope so too. I was disappointed that Joe Manchin, you know, came out, you know, early on, really, before some of this was even out. Uh, so we need to continue after our senators to get them to stop this. And I, as I say, call their call their local office in your state. Don't call the federal office and express that you're a member, you're a part of the state, and you are a constituent, and you expect them to vote no on Kataji Brown Jackson. Congressman Andy Biggs, great to talk to you, even for a short time. We'll talk again soon, I hope. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. The purpose of government is to secure God-given or inalienable rights to man. America's premier historian, David Barton. John Dickinson, who's also a signer of the Constitution, he said, an inalienable right is a right which God gave to you and which no inferior power has a right to take away. Wall Builders Live captures the ideas of the Founding Fathers and then applies those ideas to the issues of today. Sunday morning at 11.30 Central on American Family Radio. Between cancel culture, politics, division, and other overwhelming events, it's easy to get disheartened and discouraged. But God's goodness prevails. On the next Focus on the Family, Alexandra Kirkendall explores how we can offer God's goodness and love while interacting with others. Next time on Focus on the Family with Jim Daly. Focus on the Family. 
Focus on the Family is heard each weekday morning at 5 o'clock Central on American Family Radio. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. By mercy and truth, iniquity is purged. Love does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Anyone notice a pattern here? Grace, mercy, and love all require truth. It is unloving to conceal or sidestep truth. Often, people avoid truth and use love as a justification, when in reality, their truth aversion is a self-preservation tactic. You cannot claim to love someone and simultaneously affirm them in a lie. The absence of truth nullifies the application of grace. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Hey, it's Michael Woolworth with Bible League International. I know we're all praying for Ukraine, and Eastern Europe is a part of the world where Bible League has a very strong presence. In nearby Albania, Pastor Ephraim is preaching away one Sunday. There's a ruckus at the door. Who is it? Twenty militant Muslims. They storm the pulpit, drag this man down the aisle. His family, many in the church who are new converts, are just horrified. They take this man to the front lawn where they beat him nearly to death. You know what his crime is? Very simply, that he has been patiently and winsomely sharing Christ with Muslims and atheists and they are coming to place their faith in Jesus Christ. But the leaders in those uh, movements are not happy. You know when I ask him, how can we pray for you, brother? He did not say, pray for an end to our suffering. He says, pray that we'll see those around us as the mission field and more will come to Christ. $5 sends a Bible, $100 sends 20 to Eastern Europe today. Call 800-YES-WORD, 800-YES-WORD. 800-YES-WORD or give it sendbiblesnow.org. That's sendbiblesnow.org. This is Frank Gaffney with the Secure Freedom Minute. No borders, no walls, no USA at all. That's the rallying cry and the agenda of the radical leftists who have worked with fellow travelers in the Biden administration to open America's southern border. Now, they are celebrating the announcement that Team Biden is going to remove at the end of May the last significant impediment to illegal entry to this country. A COVID-19 pandemic-related provision known as Title 42 will be dispensed with, clearing the way for millions of single men, many of them military age, to join the invasion now well underway. Government officials from President Biden on down are violating their oaths of office. Far from protecting our Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic, they are actively collaborating in those enemies' efforts to ensure there is no USA at all. Will the rest of us tolerate such betrayals? This is Frank Gaffney. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Getter or email Sandy at sandy at AFR.net. That's sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. Our leadership over there has been so welcoming to like my like not at all secret gay agenda. I don't have to be afraid to like, let's have these two characters kiss. Let's in the background, like I was just wherever I could, just basically adding queerness to like, if you see anything queer in the show, I'm proud of them. But like, I I just was like, no one would stop me and no one was trying to stop me. Last summer we we removed all of the um, gender greetings and relationship to our lives feels. So we no longer say ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, 
Um, we, we've trained, we, we've provided training for all of our, our cast members in, in relationship to that. So now they know it's, it's hello everyone or hello friends. Yeah, so there's more from Disney. I thought you'd find that interesting because they just, uh, it's getting worse and worse, really, the stuff that we're hearing. So can you imagine now, remember when they had that greeting at the park? I remember this. I remember going to Disney World, Disneyland in California when it was, when I was just a little girl and it was new. It was, I know, that means makes me old, but I, I'm, you know, I'm not young anymore. <laughs> and that's why I know what I know. So, uh, but I, I'll just, it was the most incredible place. You can't even imagine and they would welcome you, and the characters would take you in, and it was—it really was magical. It was a magical kingdom, and so uh, now they're going to make sure they don't say, ladies and gentlemen, and uh, they're going to make sure that they're, you know, gay, queer, transgender leading characters in their cartoons for your children to enjoy. Wow, yeah. So um, um, last night, uh, Christopher Rufo was on with, uh, I think, with. I think with Tucker Carlson, but I'm not sure. And uh, he kind of sort of gave perspective on this that I thought would be beneficial. So let's listen. So this was an all-hands meeting in response to Governor DeSantis's legislation where uh, Disney had assembled their LGBTQIA uh, activists that they've set up within the company. Uh, and they said that they're deliberately trying to take programming that goes from even ages two to seven years old and inject queerness into that programming. Uh, they're trying to uh, really make all of their programs uh, this left-wing gender ideology compatible. Uh, and they're even doing something, I think, that is at the height of hypocrisy. At the same time, they're falsely accusing Governor DeSantis of implementing a don't-say-gay policy, which is not true at all. They were systematically and simultaneously telling all of their park employees to eliminate the words ladies, gentlemen, boys, and girls. They're projecting onto the governor what they themselves are doing. We've caught them on tape, and the evidence is damning. I think what we can really see inside the company is that executives made the decision a few years ago to create these activist organizations within the company, first on the issues of race and now on the issues of gender and sexual orientation. And these activist organizations essentially have taken moral power from within the company. And the executives who are really cowardly and craven individuals just cave any time that they want something. And so all of these videos document that whatever these activists say, they're now creating a tracking program for all Disney children's content to find out exactly how many uh, transgender, asexual, and bisexual characters that they're peppering into the show, either in the foreground or the background. Um, it sounds like a really kind of bizarre and creepy gender studies experiment on a college campus, but it's being mainlined into children's programming all over the world. So Christopher Rufo uh, last night on, Fo on Fox. And so I just wanted you to understand, uh, I'm, I'm probably not going to let this go because I'm pretty upset about this. I feel like this is a huge loss, just one more loss, isn't it? I, I told my husband a long time ago, because it's hard for people to understand that the left is about deconstructing everything, destroying everything destroying the family, destroying any entity, any group, any corporate enjoyment, anything that gives you an identity beyond your obeisance to the leaders, uh, a.k.a. the government. Like in, um, you remember that in Russia, the communist, the people that lived in Russia during communist, communist time, uh, that the government was God. They believed that government was God. And they were taught that. It wasn't, I'm not, it's not metaphorical. That's really what they were taught. There is no real God. Government is God. And that's really the end game here is that you, you just look, oh, you know, it's like the, the dear leader in uh, North Korea, 
where you everything you did you know the people in North Korea have to wear a pin of the the pre the uh, what I'm calls him president whatever his title they have to wear an image of Kim Jong Un they used to have to one wear one of Kim Jong Il uh, every day and if you don't have it on every day uh, there are very strict and harsh penalties yeah like pictures everywhere because you know that's God and so. They don't want you depending or getting your identity from anything but them. And that's what they're doing in this culture. And that's why I actually told Bruce a long time ago they would be coming after the NFL. I had no idea what that would look like, but now we can see. (laughs) We can see how they've used race and other things uh, to divide and cause chaos and destroy uh, the football culture because uh, that's just too strong. It's too many American men rallying around, you know, the football games and getting excited, and we can't have that. So they're not done yet, and so now they're destroying Disney too. So just be prepared because this is the end game. It will make sense once you understand that. It will all make sense. That doesn't mean you shouldn't fight back. Look, I, as I said before, I don't think we just give up and go, oh, well, that's what they have in mind. Look, they're just people like we are, and they have a terrible leader that they don't even, some of them don't recognize, and it's, the uh, you know, Lucifer who is the, the the prince of this world. But we have our God, those of you that are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ are are we have we know the real God. And he is not daunted by this and he is not put upon by this and he will not be conquered by them and that means those of us that are his people won't be either and so we just keep staying the course and saying what's true. No matter what comes, and there will be terrible things coming, but just be prepared. I talked to a a leader yesterday who was just chatting with me, and he said, you know, I'm in a different place now. I find myself a little unsettled all the time because things are getting more and more dangerous, and I know it's getting dangerous, really dangerous for me and my family. He said, but I've come to the conclusion that this is is the new reality uh, that I'm going to have to navigate. And I think... um, I've said this before to you, but I will say again, I don't say this out of personal experience, um, but I, from people that I've talked to have been under terrible persecution that when they stopped being afraid, that's when they found peace. And so um, I just say, decide now that you're going to stay the course. You're going to declare that Jesus is Lord. You're not going to bend the knee or bow it or compromise. Because if you start little compromises, when you get to that crucial moment, you will not be able to stay strong. It's like it's like a exercise. You have to exercise your spiritual discernment and muscles uh, to prepare for greater greater times where more is going to be asked of you. And uh, it's not a thing of dread because uh, when we when we have more <clears throat> problems, <clears throat> whether they're physical or whether they come from the world in which we live, um, when you finally do understand that really God is all you have anyway, <laughs> and He's enough, when you finally see Him uh, in in fuller, more living color, uh, you don't want to go back. And so, just I want to encourage you. I know that may seem like cryptic and hard to comp- comprehend, but remember it. But when that time comes for you, okay, because you're going to have more of God, and you will never want to go back. Uh, all right. So, kind of making transition to two two subjects here. Uh, to b- both things, because uh, yesterday, uh, Joe Biden appointed a new Pentagon secretary, uh, and that particular Pentagon secretary, uh, 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 assistant, okay, let me just read this. Biden's nominee to serve as Assistant Secretary of Defense for Manpower and Reserve Affairs previously served as the Global Project Leader at Pfizer. 
and is one of the leading proponents of lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender representation in the U.S. military. The nomination of Brenda, quote, in quote, Sue Fulton to the Pentagon comes amidst Pfizer's continual efforts to secure emergency use authorization from the Food and Drug Administration for its COVID-19 vaccines and boosters. In addition to working for Pfizer, which has hired legions of politically connected lobbyists appearing to push for COVID-19 vaccine mandates, Fulton, Sue, Brenda Sue Fulton, has a long history of pushing the military to increase diversity. Fulton's nomination comes amidst existing fears that the U.S. military's prioritizing instruction of far-left critical race theory over combat readiness, Fulton's prior employment with Pfizer could present a conflict of interest with her serving in a leading role at the Pentagon, which has mandated vaccines for all service members. The Marine Corps, for example, has granted just 0.06% of all applicants filing religious exemptions to its vaccine mandate. So um, at one time, uh, she... She is the former lead of the Global Project lead. She blasted conservatives as nut jobs. And she, of course, so you can see the problems on all levels. So she wants to push all of these sexual experimentations in the military. Now she's going to be there to do it. Isn't that a happy thought? Because I thought we were already there. I remember uh, not that, well, several years ago, they were having troops dress in red heels at the Pentagon and do like a little parade. Yeah, that was back, um, that was a number of years ago. That was when uh, Obama was president. So I thought we had arrived, but maybe not. We're going to go in new places. And then, of course, that brings us to the COVID situation. And a judge, this is good news, a judge has blocked, you know, earlier in the week, our Supreme Court, uh, by a vote of six to three, uh, decided that um, the Navy SEALs who had filed for religious exemptions against the vaccine, in spite of the the, uh, testimony of Military doctors, one of who broke down and crying on the bench, uh, on the bench or wherever she was sitting, uh, about the effects of the COVID vaccine, how it was decimating lives, taking lives, causing all of these side effects. She was just one of three. In spite of all that, the Supreme Court said, no, 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 the government has a right, the military has a right to force these vaccines on the Navy SEALs in that case. Well, so this is the follow-up to that. The U.S. military's COVID-19 vaccine mandate now has been blocked for all Navy members seeking religious exemptions. A preliminary exemption that previously covered 35 Navy SEALs now covers some 4,000 others. U.S. District Judge Reed O'Connor, a George W. Bush appointee who entered the original ruling in January, agreed to expand it in part because all members who have applied for religious exemptions have been harmed in essentially the same way. So the new ruling means that anyone in the U.S. Navy whose religious accommodation from the vaccine mandate was denied is now protected from any sort of punishment or involuntary separation, and says Mike Berry at First Liberty, and they're the ones that brought the case. We should have Mike on about that because there's so much going on, and we will. All right, so then in, in regard to that, there's another issue, and that is the masks on planes. And I want to play, in the time that I have here, I want to play this. Um, Jason Renz says it as another talk show host, but he's been covering uh, what's happening with the airlines as a result of all these COVID restrictions. This is clip six from 329. Let's listen to Jason Rance. 
Good luck flying from North Texas to Louisville on Southwest Airlines. Some day flights were just cut. American Airlines slashed about 7% of its schedule this month. Alaska, Allegiant, 5%. United for the year is gutting some 20,000 flights, largely due to a staffing shortage from the COVID vaccine mandate, certainly one that was made worse as a result. Airlines were downplaying all those terminations. Liberal reporters, frankly, supported the mandate, so they never did much digging. But as of January, there were 31,000 fewer full-time airline workers than before COVID. And while we were told pretty much everyone was complying, it turns out a lot of people were also quitting or retiring early. It's gotten so bad that JetBlue is basically begging flight attendants to take on some open shifts. Alaska Airlines is paying double to take on extra work. But it was the number of retiring pilots that is the most alarming. Obviously, no flights means no pilots means no flights. Alaska cut flights from Portland to Denver, United cut from Dulles to pretty much a bunch of destinations. And what you mentioned with SkyWest, they're looking to cut federally subsidized routes that connect small cities to larger hubs so folks can actually get places. They're not profitable because the customer base is too small, so the Department of Transportation subsidizes it. But what we're seeing are serious service impacts and threats of losing flights to cities like Pueblo, Colorado, Mason City, Iowa. Under Buttigieg, all the DOT has done so far was basically tell Skywest, hey, you can't ditch these routes until the DOT finds another carrier to pick up these flights. However, Skywest only wants out because of the same pilot shortages that the other carriers are having. Airlines right now are desperate for pilots. They're kind of going into a hiring and training spree for pilots and for some others. They're paying more. They're lowering some education requirements. The regional carrier Breeze Airways, they're using the E3 visa program to hire pilots from right. Australia. They goes on to talk about their, they're hiring uh, pilots from around the world because they can't find American pilots. And uh, one of the doctors, medical doctors, that testified at that case for the Navy SEALs and the mandates uh, said that it's it's hitting pilots especially. So we've got Houston, we've got a problem. Uh, DeSantis has introduced legislation in Florida to stop the mask mandates on flying. That's another issue altogether because he says he thinks it's discouraging people. It's causing trouble in the air. And certainly he's right about that. So there is, there is, I got a list. There is a lot happening in our world. And uh, I know that you know that. And so we trust God and we will just stay tuned and continue to speak the truth, right? All right. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.